Amen. Amen. Hello, New Life. How are you all doing today? You like that? That was me getting your attention back here. It's like, come back in. Come back. For those that don't know me, I'm Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. Our senior leader, he is on a sabbatical for the first time in his life. Had, had uh, breakfast with him the other day. He's doing a lot better now. He's, he's able to relax. It took him a little while just to be able to relax and be okay with being on sabbatical. And now he's like, okay, I'm ready to come back. So it's not going to be too much longer. Not going to be too much longer. <laughs> yeah. I need him to come back, please. Come back. Come back. So I do want to mention, we have a class called Discover New Life, and they, they just mentioned it earlier. All right, who's been part of Discover New Life? Say something. All right. It's a small group. We, we, we talk about the vision of the house, why we're here, what we're doing, and, and we really try to like engage. It's not like a class where we're like, here you go, here's all the things you need to know, right? Much more, it's a discussion. It, it, we really go out of our way to, to cast vision, and, and so you can understand like what we're doing, why we're doing it. And so please be a part of that. It's going to start up again on the 3rd, the first Sunday of June, the 3rd, right? It's 9 o'clock. It's upstairs. You, you hit the stairs, take a left. You go into the corner room. It's called the loft right next to the bathrooms, right? That's where it is. So please be a part of it. You can sign up for it. They have a little sign-in thing, so we know you're coming. Did I say June? Okay. Thank you, July. <laughs> you're already late. <laughs> So, so the last time I spoke, uh, I was talking about how we need to hold simultaneously the concept of we're friends of God, but we're also servants to Him. And, and, and so I'm going to kind of pull on that and expand that out, but I, but I do need you to, like to hold that and recognize that everything I'm talking about, there's this duality of, of, of holding two things that seem to be in conflict, but it's the way we orient our heart. So he treats me like a friend, but I recognize like he's still God. And so I honor him that way. And I, and I recognize like, it's the friendship that he brings to me. That's that love that draws me in. And I don't do things out of works because I'm afraid of God. I do things because he's asked me to join with him in his purpose. He's, he, so he, he's like, you are my son now, and I'm talking about the women too, right? You're my son, and, and as a son, we're going to do amazing stuff together, but I want you to join me, okay? Now, in doing this, like it, as you get called into this, you are being called into doing what he did. So if you were to do, like, like boil everything else and like, here's the two main things that God is doing when he sends Jesus into the world and, and the cross and then being disciples and moving on and like everything he's doing, giving you life, identity, okay? It's all about reconciling people back to God, right? And people becoming who they're designed to be, identity. So this is what he's doing. Because that's how I roll, right? I always am like trying to poke people very gently in the eye. So are you ready? It's a gift. 
How are you doing on that? How are you doing on reconciling people back to God and helping people step into identity? If you were to say it another way, how are you doing when it comes to baptizing people and making disciples? Because that's what it is. The Great Commission is go baptize people and make disciples. Part of the problem we struggle with, well, actually, let me say this. Let me poke in the eye a little bit more. If you're not doing that, right, if you're like, I don't know if I'm doing that or, no, I'm not really doing that, right? If that's the case, it's probably one of two things. One, you might be so busy you're doing other things for God, but you're not actually doing the thing he's asking. But you're doing good things, you're just not doing God things. And, and, and that's, like, not necessarily a great way to approach it because, if you're doing the wrong things, I'll get into that. The other one is like, I'm not like, I'm not. I just, I come to church on Sunday. I don't know what to do. I, I can't do it. I, you know, I'm not worthy to do it. I'm not able to do it. I, 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 I'm not designed to do it. I, I don't know if I can do it. Like, there's like all kinds of reasons why I might not be stepping into it. I would say, I hope by the end of this, I will light a fire underneath your behind, right? In a way and say, I can't just do that anymore. It's not okay for me to like agree with the lie that says I'm not designed to be able to go baptize and make disciples, right? Because I, it is a lie, right? You've, you've been called into this thing. And, and one of the things we struggle with, let me say this, I think this works against us. So I, I want to th- like throw this in the mix so that you can see something maybe you haven't seen. Unfortunately for us, we've come to a time in Christianity where Christianity presents the gospel in as, as a simple believism. Just believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Confess him with your mouth and you'll be saved. And this is in Romans, right? And, and we have a way of describing this. And I talked to a group of people about the other day. And, 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 and because I, 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 like, I said, how do I like, help people see there's something wrong with the way we look at this? Because we use Romans, the Romans road, right? And it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I am saying it is missing something, and, and it presents it in a way that maybe sets us up for failure. Because if we're focused on being saved, and we're not focused on becoming, we'll sit in the pew. Because we're saved. Hey, we're saved. What else do you need to do, right? We're saved. We get to go to heaven. That's it, right? What if it's not? Just Think about that. What if it's not? Because, because, you know, in Romans where it says, confess the Lord that, that he is both Lord and Savior, right? When you confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved, right? Did you know it's not talking to, like, to you? Did you know that? He specifically, because if you back up the context of that, he's actually talking about the Jews who are devout. They are serving God. They are going after God. Consider this. You got you to catch this because then you'll understand the context of what he's saying. They are going after God the wrong way. They tithe. They not only tithe, they tithe everything. And they give offerings on top of that. And they serve God and they do the things that need to be done. And they, they work it the best that they can because they're trying to serve God through works. When they figure out that Jesus is the Messiah and they confess that, it's a done deal. They will put all of their energy into that. That's what he was talking about. The problem for us is we don't know God, and when we use God that to somebody who doesn't know God and we tell them, you're saved, you're good to go, 
there's nothing more then, right? Just make sure you don't fall off the map. What's, you know, what's left? What we don't do is we don't give them the fine print. Right? Someone mentioned this when I was talking about this and thing. I thought this was, oh, that's great. Right? We, like, here's the deal. We miss the fine print. The fine print is you are being called into identity as a son. Do you know sons have responsibility? Right? You have responsibilities. Now, you might not agree you want, you might not want responsibilities. You might not agree you have responsibilities. Right? You might be like, ah, don't worry about it. No, it's all, it'll all work out in the wash. I have no responsibilities. Do you realize, like, my opinion about my responsibilities don't matter? God's not asking my opinion. Right? Who would be the authority on whose opinion about this? Who, whose opinion do you think matters most about this? Anybody want to throw one out? It's like the answer to everything in church. Jesus. Man, you were like with it on the front row today, aren't you? So, let's listen to Jesus on this. So, Matthew 24, if you've been in church a while, either read it, heard it preached, heard it mentioned somewhere, right? He talks about himself, he is coming back. He's coming back. This, and, and, and it reads like this in, in verse uh, 36. But about the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, which I think is like, like a little bit like odd. Like he didn't even know. He's like, I'm coming back. I don't even know when, but I'm coming back. But only the father. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the son of man. So he's saying, just like in the days of Noah, the flood happens, they're saved, but it surprised everybody. Okay? So, so he doesn't just like say this once. He says, okay, you know what? This is a truth I want you to catch. So I'm going to give you an example. And I'm going to give you another example. And then I'm going to give you another example. And I'm going to give you another example. Think about that. He gives four in a row that's either a parable or a, an analogy of what this is like. Four, right? So last time I preached, remember, like, I had nothing on my sheet. I have got, like, too many sheets this time. I think, God, you are so funny. I don't know what the deal is with that. So you're going to get a lot of Scripture today. So he gives his first example, verse 45, Matthew 24. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? This is a great question. So who is the faithful and wise servant? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them food and at, at food at their proper time. So first, understand the question he's asking. He said, who is that servant who is faithful? And he likens it, he's, he's tying it into, because they are responsible for providing food for the other servants. It will be the, it'll be good for that servant who the master finds him doing so when he returns. So I've charged you with something. It would be really good if you actually were doing that when I came back. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. This is a theme you see over and over again. In, in a lot of different ways, Jesus says the same thing. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, 
my master is staying away a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants, to eat and drink with the drunkards, and he basically goes off the deep end. Right? So he's out there just, man, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to pick it back up on verse 51. Because like, if I read all of this, you guys would be like dying. So I'm going to save you. He will cut him to pieces. This is this is a response to this guy. This is like, I don't want to be this guy, right? And remember, this is Jesus talking. This isn't Sean 1 and 5, okay? This is Jesus talking. This is red letter stuff. He will cut him to pieces and him assign him a place with the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gnashing. You know what gnashing of teeth is? Like, I, I don't like zombie movies, but you see commercials and they're right? They're crying. <laughs> right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be with the gnashing teeth group, right? This is not the place you want to go. So, what does he say? He says, like, it's like this servant, right? You want to be the servant that's doing what you're supposed to be doing when I come back because I've given you something to do. This is the first example. Let's go to Matthew 25. Now we're in a whole other chapter. He is continuing on with this. If you're not sure about that, I'll start that one out too. And this is the, this is the parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. What time? When Jesus comes back who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Again, I'm going to jump forward, summarize what happened, and we'll get back into it. So this is a party. This is a wedding, right? Just imagine it. You're in Israel 2,000 years ago, right? Little town. Someone's going to have a wedding. The virgins are all gathered. We get to go to the party too. Yay, this is awesome, right? Anybody had teenagers? You know what I'm talking about. Put 10 girls in a room together. The energy level is like out of the roof, right? And they're all having a good time and they're just, right? Put 10 boys together. The energy's out of the roof, right? right? Because they're going to go do a thing. Now, it's Israel, right? So they're virgins. They can't hang around with the boys before party, right? But they're going to go talk to the boys during the party. So where their minds are and all kinds of fun they're going to have, right? Now, five of these virgins are just like, you know what? Whew, we, I better have some more oil ready, right? So I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to have my lamp, I'm going to have some extra oil because I might need it because I'll never know when they're going to open the door. So I'm going to be ready. Five of them are like, oh man, I got my lamp. Oh, we're just having a good time. Whoa, let's start. Da, 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 da. And I'm out of oil now. He still hasn't opened the door. The party hasn't started yet. I don't have any oil. What am I going to do? Hey, would you give us some of your oil? Think about that. They go ask the other five, like, hey, give us some of your oil. We're like, no, can't have ours. That's ours. We're not, you know, we might not have enough. Can't give it to you. Okay, we better go get some. So they run off, right? So now they're out looking for oil. Now there's, I've heard preaching on this, right? The oil could be like the spirit of God. It could be the word of God. Whatever it is, right? It has to do with their relationship with God. And somehow they didn't steward their relationship well. So when it came time to say, hey, time to come in. Later, the others also came. Lord, wrong place. Let's try another one. Yep, that was actually right. Later, the others also came. So, So after they went in, right, the five versions go in. They go to the party. Then those five that show up, after they went to go buy oil. Later, the others came in. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, 
I tell you, I don't know you. Yikes! Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day nor the hour. He's going to come back. We're talking about the same thing. Second example. Not a good ending for some. So think about it. Like we tell people, oh, you're saved, you're good to go. Like, I don't know that. I don't know what's going on. I don't have a theology that you're going to hell, not going to hell. I don't know, right? I don't understand all of this stuff. I just know that if I'm telling you you're good to go, feel free, sit on the pew, do nothing. You're going to heaven. I'm probably setting you up for failure because apparently Jesus doesn't agree with that. Just saying. I know some of you, I'm like jacking with your theology right now. I know I am. I love you. Okay? I care about you. I would be a terrible steward if I didn't tell you this. Okay? That's why I'm saying it. I'm not saying it just because, like, I want to make you feel bad. I'm saying it because, like, there's, we've got to get this down because if we're going to go on to the next in our life, if we're going to, like, move to where we're designed to move, we have to, like, move our butts sometime. Like, you've got responsibilities. I'm going to go on. How about the next one? The bags of gold. We preach about this one all the time. And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, guess what, we're the servants, and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, to another one bag of gold. Listen to this, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. So each according to his ability. See, he wasn't sliding the one with one bag. He wasn't preferring the one with 10 bags. He's like, you've got the ability to do this. I'm giving it to you. Unfortunately, right, two of them were like, yeah. Guy takes the five bags. He's a steward. What does a steward do? A good steward. If you want to know the measure of a good steward, a good steward increases stuff, makes stuff fruitful, or helps it come to completion. That's how I know I'm stewarding well. I know I'm doing it right if things are increasing, if they're being fruitful, they're multiplying, they're growing, or they've come to the completion of that thing. So then there's the one guy who got the one. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bury it in the ground. This is an awesome idea. You know, I can't think of anything better I can do because my, my master, he is kind of a stern man and he doesn't really like reap where he sows. He, he gets things in ways that he didn't actually sow anything. So I think I'm going to bury it in the ground. That's a good idea. Let's do that. He, he, like you have to presuppose like he already knew what he, he was already told what to do. He just like, no, I don't agree with that. Nah. So the master shows back up and he's like, Okay, well, here we go. Master shows back up. He tells him, this is what I've done. Master's like, dude, you are jacked up. Like, that's paraphrased. Didn't say that in the Bible. Verse 28. So take the gold, the bag of gold from friendships and the things that matter and helping people Recognize who they are. People moving into a space where they have a relationship with God because you're connecting with them, and as you're walking, they're also seeing that they can walk. And there's gifts in your life where you're able to give them things that you receive from heaven that help them 
walk in the walk that they're designed for. There are riches in heaven that your father has that he wants you to use and be wise and shrewd about him. That's what this thing's saying. But if he can't trust us with a little, can he trust us with a lot? Are we honest with what he's given us? Do we have integrity? These are important questions. Like, like if you're struggling with integrity, if you're struggling with honesty, if you're struggling with some of these basic things that we know, man, I don't know why I have a problem. I guarantee you, he wants you to learn to overcome that. There are relationships in this church that you can have with people that if you will step into those relationships, let them mentor you, walk with them, open yourself up and say, hey, I struggle with this. Help me walk through this. You can overcome these things, but if you hide this, you're not going to be able to step into who you are. We need each other. We're designed this to do this together. We are stewards together. We are amazing together. When we steward together, I mean, if one person can steward and produce, how much can all of us, if this whole house, everybody in this room right now, stepped into the stewardship they're designed to, what would it look like if we all had the ability to be the stewards we're designed to be? And things multiplied. Things were fruitful. Things became what they were designed to be. I'm going to go ahead and close. Jesus made friends. He loved deeply. He forgave. He was full of grace, full of mercy. This is who you're designed to be. He's not withholding anything from you. All the resources of heaven are available to you. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be successful in the possessions you have, in the stuff that comes into your hands right now, even though it seems small, even though it seems little. He wants to walk with you on understanding how to operate with what he's putting in your hands. There are gifts from heaven, spiritual gifts, spiritual fruit that grows in your life, that comes to you, that God wants to speak from you. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words, the gifts of healing. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts. The prophet the evangelist, the teacher, the preacher. Gifts of administration, abilities that he's giving you specifically because they are resources that matter and the world needs you to be you. He didn't call you because you were left over. He called you because he has purpose. He's put you in him because he has purpose and you are a part of it. I've got to recognize 
the calling on my life isn't about being a preacher on a platform. It's not about doing, like doing, doing this thing. The calling on my life is to be an amazing steward, to be able to steward my relationship with him, to be able to steward my heart, to be able to steward my relationships with other people. When we are able to be successful in those three areas, everything else is academic. It'll just happen. We don't need to worry about it. You're a steward. You can be an amazing steward if you will just let him teach you. As I mentioned last time, this isn't a car ride. This is a train ride. And when you get on the train, part of that ride is about becoming the steward you're designed to be. Go ahead and stand.